0: and you can get an extra three months free expressvpn.com slash slash film.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Slash Film Daily for Monday, May 4th, 2020. On today's episode, we're going to discuss the latest film and TV news. This is Slash Film Editor-in-Chief Peter Serrata, and joining me on this podcast is Slash Film Senior Writer, Ben Pearson. Hey, what's going on? And Writer, Chris Evangelista. Hello. Um, Happy May the 4th, everyone. It's the the holiday that has been invented around Star Wars, just because the date seems to <laughs> to mimic the May the Force Be With You. Uh, let's start things out with some hot Star Wars news that hit today, and that is that director Taiko Atiti is working on a Star Wars movie. Chris, tell us about it.
2: Yes, uh, he's going to direct the film, and he's also co-wrote it, co-writing it with Christy wilson Karens. I'm probably saying that wrong, but she uh, wrote... 1917 and uh edgar wright's upcoming last night in soho um beyond that we don't really know like anything about it we just know taika watiti's directing it uh and that's it and it's going to be a feature film that hopefully will open in theaters you know because someday maybe movie theaters will reopen again
1: yeah Well, Taika is not, this is not his first foray into Star Wars. He directed an episode of The Mandalorian. Did either of you see that episode? Because I know it was late in the season. I think it was the final episode i
0: saw it but uh i don't really have much to say about it i I feel like most of the episodes of the mandalorian sort of from a directorial standpoint anyway sort of blended together for me but peter i know you probably have a different opinion about that
1: oh i i totally felt like it had uh more humor to it like i felt like you could uh, feel the not just the humor but the heart especially with his character ig 11 Um, you know, I, I'm a big fan of Taika Waititi. I've been a fan of his, uh, since, uh, what was that movie he did a long time ago? Me, uh, no, uh, Eagle vs. Shark. I'm actually quoted. I'm quoted on the DVD cover of Eagle vs. Shark. So I, I, am going to be a hipster here and say, I like Taika Waititi before all of you. So (laughs) anyways, uh, what do you, what do you guys think of Taika as a director?
2: Uh, I, I like him. I dig him. I, I know a lot of people, for some reason, loathe Jojo Rabbit, but I really liked it. I still like it. Um, Thor Ragnarok is like the only Thor movie I like. So I think he's, he's a talented director and he, he's very funny. I mean, what what we do in the shadows, the movie is, is hilarious. I, I've yet to watch the TV show, but I hear that's good, too.
1: Yeah, I hear the TV show gets better in the second season as they are able to Go further away from what the movie was. I have not watched it either. Um, ben, what do you think of him as a director?
0: Uh, I like him a lot as well. I, I have enjoyed all the things. Pretty much, I, I'm not a, a huge fan of what we do in the shadows. Of the movie. I think I've talked about that on the podcast before. Yeah. But pretty much everything else that I've seen of his, um, I've really, really enjoyed. I, you know, this news. Uh, the same thing happens when any big director I like gets pulled into a franchise. It's like, <laughs> I, I like. Th- franchise movies i'm I'm certainly not like um you know some sort of elitist who like snubs his nose at at popcorn entertainment i love that stuff but there is a part of me a small part of me that dies when i realize okay taika is now going to be in the star wars universe for a while and that means that we're not going to see what other you know whatever other project he may have made in some alternate universe so mm-hmm. maybe my only hope from this is like a this movie will be great and then b Uh, that it will give him even more juice and maybe the ability to make something a little bit more outside the box than he would have been able to make in that alternate universe that I just talked about. So hopefully everybody will will win in the end. Yeah.
1: I mean, you got to look at the other side of things here, too. It's not like, you know disney just offered take a, a boatload of cash and he was like oh i'm gonna put aside all the stuff i really wanted to make to make the star wars movie like it, it feels like he is interested in making bigger you know he's doing thor uh the next thor movie he's doing this it feels like he is interested in doing things on a bigger scale yeah right cer- yeah certainly. so um and I guess that brings us to our last question. Whenever we talk about a Star Wars movie being developed or a TV show being developed, I, I wanted to-, to ask you guys wh- what do you think? Is this going to be something new or will this be a spin off of a character we know? Could this be the IG 11 movie? Probably not. Uh, but uh, I- I'm wondering what you guys think. Like, do you think that this is going to be something original inside the star Wars galaxy, or do you think he's going to be doing something, you know, something close to something we, we know about in putting his, his own touches on it. Ben, what do you think?
0: Um, I think it's kind of too early to say because we're in such a weird place with the star Wars universe right now, where the Skywalker saga is over and, We've heard some rumblings of other things that are in development or whatever, but, like, we don't really know what the full plan is for Lucasfilm moving forward with the future of this franchise. So, I don't know, until we find out more details about a couple of the other projects that are, you know, up next in line, it's tough to say whether this is going to be an original or, I don't know, like, you, you guys were talking on a recent episode of the podcast about how Kathleen Kennedy was, like, uh, talking about um, Galaxy's Edge and how originally that was supposed to be set in Tatooine, and she said, okay, let's let's scrap that idea and, you know, essentially turn our focus to the next generation of fans instead of,, um, you know, setting it at this place where yeah. only the fifty year old Star Wars fans are gonna really, you know, love and and uh, recognize all these references and stuff like that. I hope that th- she applies that same, Strategy to the Star Wars movies going forward, just like completely start fresh and anew instead of being tethered to these characters that we've seen so many times before. Yeah,
1: I, I, if I were to guess, I would think that like after coming off like a disappointment of Solo, and I, I, I I'm guessing, and this, this is a complete throw into the dark, that they are they're taking you know they're looking at the mandalorian and the, the success that that has been and they're probably going to be taking that approach going forward in, in that they're going to be setting things in a very familiar thing but it worth new characters if that makes sense chris what do you think of that approach
2: i mean yeah I, I don't know if i love that approach but i'm i'm pretty sure you're right in that is what they're going to do just because it seems it just seems impossible for the Star Wars franchise to break away and do something like a hundred percent new th- things that you haven't seen before. So I'm I'm pretty sure what what you just detailed is exactly what's going to happen.
1: Yeah, and I'm also willing to bet that Taika came up with this idea and pitched it to Lucasfilm. You know, I I just have a hunch. But uh, I'm I'm excited to learn more. Uh, Let's go into the other news that we learned today. (laughs) The first of which is Nicolas Cage is going to be cast as Tiger King's Joe Exotic. Ben, tell us about it.
0: Yeah, so a new scripted series is in development uh, at CBS Television Studios and Imagine Television Studios. The show does not have a a home yet, but it's supposed to be taken out to bidders sometime in the coming days. And yes, Nicolas Cage is going to be starring in a television show for the first time in his career, and he is going to be playing Joe Exotic, the subject of... The wildly popular Netflix documentary series *Tiger King* that has been, you know, all anybody wants to talk about for a long, long time. Um, the focus of this show seems to be more about Joe Exotic himself instead of, you know, sort of spinning out into this uh, eccentric cast of characters around him. Uh, According to variety, it's going to center on him an eccentric uh, exotic zookeeper in Oklahoma who fights to keep his park, even at the risk of losing his sanity. The series will live in the lion's den with Joe, explore how he became Joe exotic and how he lost himself to a character of his own creation. So that's the, the rundown there. Um, from my understanding, and I've not seen all of Tiger King yet, but uh, from my understanding, the the Netflix documentary sort of skimps a little bit on his backstory just because there's so much other stuff to cover. But this show sort of sounds like it's going to like uh, laser focus in on Joe himself. So maybe that will be some interesting material for Nicolas Cage to uh, to mine um i don't know if they're going to get into the you know all the the troubling abuse and racism and all the kind of stuff that has come you know come out since uh, the release of netflix's tiger king if they're going to touch on that in this show but uh chris i know you're a big nick cage fan what do you make of, of him in this particular role
2: i mean you know on one hand i'm kind of like sick of the tiger king hype at this point i feel like it's it's played out on the other hand uh, this is such good casting, I can't ignore it. I'm also, i I'm particularly excited about this because Nicolas Cage strikes me as an actor who won't be trying to do an impression. Like He's not going to be trying to be exactly like the Joe Exotic we saw in that documentary. Instead, it's going to be Nicolas Cage's interpretation of that guy. And <laughs> that's what I'm looking forward to because I know he's – he like Nicolas Cage doesn't really play – real people at all i can't even like think of any off the top of my head at the moment and uh, he just he just strikes me as the type of actor who wouldn't want to like you know mimic that voice and, and be exactly like the real guy instead he's gonna you know do his own weird <laughs> nick cage thing and, and that's what i'm looking forward to i'm looking forward to seeing his interpretation of this guy
1: yeah, I feel like I'm excited of Nick Cage playing him. That 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 seems really exciting. I liked American Vandal, so I'm I'm excited about the people involved here. All the people involved except for CBS All Access. That that's where this is going, right? CBS All Access?
0: No, it's just CBS Television Studios is oh. one of the, the well, studios worse, behind it. But... Well, it's 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 basically like a, the the production branch of that company. So it's not necessarily going to CBS because a lot of times, you know, like Warner Brothers Television is one of the most popular um like one of the biggest uh, TV producers of tons of different shows, but not all of them go to Warner Brothers owned or Warner Media owned TV networks. They, they get sold all over the place. So I think that might be what happens here. Unless, of course, CBS or, or All Access outbids every other, you know, uh, streaming service or cable channel or whatever to get this, which could happen. But right now it's it's homeless, as it were.
1: Hmm. I wonder if this will turn up on like Netflix. <laughs> it yeah, might, that might would might be... be
0: fitting really really weird if that happened but it is possible
1: okay let's move on let's talk about disney they have another live action remake in development chris tell us about this one uh yes the latest is
2: hercules um there's no director yet but the russo brothers are producing it and dave callaham who wrote uh the upcoming shang chi is is handling the script so there you have it yet another disney live action remake this is uh hercules came out in
1: what was it 1997 so this is this is the latest okay i i'm gonna lose some disney cred here but i don't think i've ever seen hercules it might be one of the few animated movies i didn't see because it came out when i was kind of like in high school and probably like above disney films or whatever uh have you guys seen hercules uh i actually just watched it because i haven't
2: i also hadn't seen it and after this news broke i was like oh maybe i'll finally watch it so i watched it over the weekend on disney plus and it's good you know it's not like i don't know if i would call it like a classic but i enjoyed it while i was watching it so there's that do you think it can
1: benefit from a live action remake either of you
0: hmm uh, it,
2: it, it's like i don't know because the movie is so you know, like fantastical and and cartoony because it's a cartoon and i'm just picturing like a bunch of like cgi crap everywhere and I, I i just don't know what you can really do with this sort of thing as as live action i just i, I i'm so burned out on these disney live action movies just because it's like so many of them rely so heavily on CGI it's like why are you even bothering to make this quote unquote live action if it's going to be like 90% CGI like the little mermaid is another one they're making that and that like in, almost 90% of that is set underwater so that's going to be all CGI <laughs> so it's like i just don't understand I, I mean i know why they're making it for money but i just <laughs> i just wish they would stop
0: yeah, and like I grew up really liking this movie, but I haven't seen it probably since like the early 2000s or something. I, I was a big fan of Greek and Roman mythology and stuff like that growing up as a kid. And I actually uh, minored in that in in college, um, but I have not thought about this movie in a long time. But thinking back on it now, I just I don't know if it really fits in with like uh, the Hollywood big budget kind of thing. Like, think about the last time, like the the last movies that i can think of that involved hercules or you know um uh, (laughs) mythology like this are the dwayne johnson movie hercules which did not go over very well at all and then like the clash of the titans remake with sam worthington i think that might have gotten a sequel at some point too those movies just like they're big and bombastic and they just don't really look very good with with modern cg attached you know like just Think about how interesting the Jason and the Argonauts and, and, you know, the original Clash of the Titans were with like stop motion and all that kind of stuff. It was just a a totally different era where I feel like those movies were able to thrive under those uh, filmmaking conditions a little bit better than just slapping CG on everything now. So maybe the Russo brothers have some sort of interesting in on this, but I'm not holding my breath.
1: The interesting thing is that they're going to have some bridges. So you're going to put some bridges in the movie. No, uh, I guess the question is, is, is there any – Chris, since you just watched this movie, is there any, like, racism, sexism, problematic things that Disney can correct in the live action? Because I feel like that's the whole reason, other than money. That's the whole artistic reason for them to do these live action remakes, right? Is to kind of, like, course correct uh, their problems?
2: I mean, I can't think of any based on what I watch, but I'm sure someone else out there can, because there's always at least one person – who has a problem with something. So uh, just because I didn't spot it doesn't mean other people haven't.
1: Yeah. Okay. Let's move on from Disney to animated Transformers prequel, which is coming from the director of Toy Story 4. Ben, tell us about that.
0: Yeah. Josh Cooley, who won an Oscar for uh, directing Toy Story 4 is making a new Transformers animated prequel movie, Uh, Andrew Barrar and Gabriel Ferrari, who are some of the writers of uh, the uh, Ant-Man movies for Marvel, are going to be writing the script. And this is supposed to be, uh, I think the quote is, a grand scale reimagining. So uh, make of that what you will. Uh, It's another Transformers movie. Um, You know, Bumblebee was a pretty big improvement from what we saw in the, the latter day Transformers films but uh this is the first i think theatrical um animated transformers movie unless transformers the movie from like 1986 came out in theaters which i don't remember i think it did did. i think okay all right well then yeah i I stand corrected but uh at least in a long time this is the first one so um (laughs) i mean josh cooley going from toy story 4 to to transformers uh i guess that's like that's just the the career path for Hollywood filmmakers these days is just jumping from franchise to franchise. So, uh, I don't know. That's a little depressing to me. Again, it comes back down to, like, I kind of wish I could see what Josh Cooley would do, you know, off the leash and just, like, making whatever crazy animated project that he wanted to. Yeah, making his Oscar own up
1: or, like, Onward or something like that. Some Some sure. original animated. Yeah.
0: Yeah, but um, I don't know. I mean, I guess there's the chance that this turns out to be... I'm trying to be positive here, Peter. I don't know. I
1: I will say this. I I have known Josh Cooley for a while now. I first met him at a Comic-Con when he was selling this, like... A book he made of, I think it was like a little golden book, like parody book. And uh, we featured it on Slashfilm. And that was way before he became a director at Pixar. And uh, I, I know that he is kind of a nerd for these kind of things. He loves, like, you know, the Transformers toys and stuff like that. So maybe he has a love for this. It seems like Paramount is having a lot of troubles getting a live action Transformers into production for whatever reason. So maybe this, uh, you know, bypassing, you know, human actors and a human story might uh, be able to accomplish something. Uh, But I I guess the other question is, uh, isn't Netflix developing a Transformers TV series, which is also kind of a Transformers prequel or
0: reboot? Of some kind, I like, don't remember the details of when Exactly that is set on the timeline It very well could be another prequel But yes, that is that is uh, in the works at Netflix right now So um I, I guess that This is just going to be more You know, like a, a bigger theatrical Kind of experience is, is the Vibe al- I'm getting
1: It's almost like Hasbro doesn't have one arm of the company Talking to the other arm of the company
0: <laughs> Yeah
1: I don't know, it, it seems strange I will say this, I, I, I did grow up Watch it, you know, playing with Transformers, watching the cartoons. Uh, I liked Bumblebee, and one of my favorite parts of Bumblebee was that opening on Cybertron. Uh, that that it was very like old uh, G one Transformers. I I'm interested to see what Josh Cooley does, but I'm not sure if there's many of me out there. That <laughs> would be just like I even even though there's me, I wouldn't say that I'm excited for another Transformers movie, but I, I would be in. <laughs> and I'm not sure many people would even be in. And speaking of that, uh, Hasbro is also developing another G.I. Joe movie. This is a follow-up, uh, Snake Eyes. Ben, tell us about this.
0: Yeah, so Snake Eyes colon G.I. Joe Origins is, uh, I think the production of that, or post-production, is, is pretty close to being done from what I understand. Um, that's the one that stars Henry Golding from... Uh, crazy Rich Asians, and uh, Last Christmas, he's playing Snake Eyes in this movie. So now Paramount and Hasbro have uh, put into the works a another G.I. Joe live-action movie, and this one is going to come from the writing team of Joe Shrapnel and Anna Waterhouse, who did uncredited Uh, screenwriting work on Snake Eyes, G.I. Joe Origins. So this is supposed to be a follow-up that is intended to expand the fictional world of G.I. Joe even further. It's not really a sequel, but an expansion to, yeah, deepen the world of G.I. Joe. I just don't know if anybody cares about this, Peter. Like, (laughs) there have been two G.I. Joe movies over the past decade plus. One in 2009, one in 2013, and Neither of those movies are anything that people talk about in, in, you know, in reverent tones. It it seems like they made almost no mark on pop culture whatsoever. So I just am not sure. I understand that Hasbro needs to do it because it's one of their IP. But, like, does anybody care about this? I'll say this.
1: uh, You know, those movies are very forgettable. But the second movie, the only thing I remember about that second movie other than... Uh, Bruce Willis was in it as Joe or something. Yeah. <laughs> it's was, it was, it was very sad. Uh, but the other thing I remember, the only good thing I remember, is it had this whole action sequence on the side of a, a cliff with Snake Eyes, and this was directed by John Chu. Is that correct? I think that's I right, think, yeah. Yeah, and it, it was an incredible action sequence. It was the only thing that was in all the marketing, and it was the only thing getting people excited to see that movie. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I always liked Snake Eyes as a kid, but, again, I, I don't think I can even get excited for this. I mean, I'll see it, but the – I don't know.
0: <laughs> well, Chris, I'm sure you're doing backflips with excitement about Snake Eyes' uh, G.I. Joe Origins follow-up, right? I know. I
2: can't wait. I've got my Snake Eyes shirt on and my my uh, flag that says G.I. Joe on it. I'm very excited. i got my big foam finger
1: okay let's get into a, a strange news story that we wrote about last week and that is the real life conjuring house is gonna be live streamed for a week chris what is going on
2: here? uh yes the the real house that inspired the conjuring which is in our most terrifying state rhode island uh is is still standing and uh, a, a new couple lives there and and they're very adamant that it's still haunted and there's still ghostly goings on there Uh, So this site called the dark zone is teaming up with them for a full week in May, uh, starting May 9th uh, to run a 24 seven live stream from inside and around the house, Um, which sounds, you know, like harmless fun until you get to this, this part where they're actually charging money for it, which seems really weird to me. I, I can't remember the last time I've, ever heard of like a live stream that that charges money like this except for like you know cam girls or something like that but that's (laughs) that's not what this is um it's it's uh, $4.99 to watch it for 24 hours $19.99 for the full week and you know they're saying they're donating a portion of the proceeds to you know like coronavirus charities which is noble I guess but it seems very little little skeezy to be charging money for people to watch a live stream especially because i'm you know <laughs> i'm very doubtful anything is going to actually happen on uh, on this live show, unless they're like
1: staging it and they have people like wearing sheets running by or something like that i love how we've had years and years of all these ghost hunter tv shows we've had documentaries mm-hmm. we've never actually caught any supernatural that's been proven on, on camera but people are gonna pay money to watch like a live feed of a house i guess it's probably gonna be like just a black screen. I, I Maybe it's like infrared cameras or something. Well, you know, it'll be during the day. It's not like only it's 24 hours. So it'll be like, you know,
2: daytime. Hey, but we'll C- be-
1: Chris, you've watched enough movies. The, the ghosts don't come out in daytime. This is real, Peter. This isn't a movie. These are real ghosts. OK, let's move <laughs> on from that. Let's talk about this Deathstroke movie that never happened. Ben, what do we know?
0: Yeah, so if you recall the uh, post-credit scene of Justice League, which came out three years ago, the uh, costumed mercenary Deathstroke was played by Joe Manganiello, and he shows up on Lex Luthor's yacht and basically says that the, the villains need to put their own team together because the good guys have their own Justice League, so they should, the bad guys should have a league of their own. So it seemed to be. And then an I was ind-
1: si- I was sitting in the theater and being like, wait, isn't that Suicide Squad?
0: <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. So uh, lots of confusion around this time at DC Comics and Warner Brothers. But uh, in any case, that that appearance seemed to indicate that that character would be coming back in some form. But uh, that has not happened Um Although three years ago, the raid director, Gareth Evans was actually attached to direct a Deathstroke solo film, which would have been an origin story for that character. And Joe Manganiello was going to be coming back and all of that stuff. That project ended up falling apart, but Gareth Evans was recently uh, a guest of, or actually he he did an interview with uh, Yahoo UK and explained what he wanted to do with this death movie that never happened. He said he wanted it to be something that was uh, like a hundred minutes long, like a lean story, not to go over the two hour Mark. Um, He said, Back then, I was massively influenced by the noir films coming out of South Korea. So that was my pitch. I was like, these films are amazing. The texture, the tones of colors, the grit, and the aggression of them is super interesting to use to tell Deathstrokes stories. Um, he talked a little bit about how he wanted to do something, quote, quite Shakespearean in terms of how he loses his eye and how he gets created as the character that he is. Uh, he talks a little bit about that sort of bone crunching, visceral action style that he is known for and how they would he would have been able to use some of that um, and also maybe make it a little bit more flamboyant and and stylized than the the grounded uh, action style that he normally does. But uh, yeah, as I mentioned, this this project fell apart and it doesn't seem likely to come back to life anytime soon, although Evans sort of leaves the door open for that. Um, it, It seems like Warner Brothers has just moved into a different direction with their solo movies. So I don't I don't. Anticipate this happening again Because it seemed like this Death stroke thing Was going to be more of a linchpin For like a, a more connected version Of the DCEU And it seems like now they're sort of going off In their own direction and letting filmmakers do You know, these like one-off movies Instead of trying to tie everything together
1: Yeah, when a filmmaker lays out the plans of what he would have done, that's usually the sign that it's probably never happening. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would have loved to have seen this. It, it seems like a interesting DCEU movie. Uh, I wish I could travel to an alternate universe and see what that was like, uh, or would be like. <laughs> and speaking of alternate universes, there's there's also probably an alternate universe where Michael Jackson would be Spider-Man. <laughs> Ben tell me about that. Yeah,
0: this I I had to like do a double take at my computer screen when I read this. But um so Michael Jackson has a complicated legacy. Let's just skip let's like put all of that aside for this podcast conversation and just uh say that he was the King of Pop and um there are there are lots of things about him that you could look into if you want to and believe whatever you want or don't. I don't care. Uh, here, here's what happened in the 1990s. Marvel Entertainment was struggling. They ended up actually filing for bankruptcy in the late 90s. Um, that's why they ended up selling off the licensing rights to a lot of their characters to different studios and stuff like that. So at, at that time, Michael Jackson actually wanted to buy Marvel So he could star as Spider-Man in a Spider-Man feature film. Uh, And this is like, uh, you know, around the time that Blade was coming out, like 1998. And it's way before, you know, X-Men and and, uh, Spider-Man would sort of like usher in this new uh, era of comic book movies that we're on right now. But um, Michael Jackson's nephew gave an interview recently on YouTube to somebody and and talked about how, uh, you know, he, he was... Uh, Michael Jackson was talking with Stan Lee and, and they were discussing this purchase and and it, it evidently came like close to happening or, or at least the discussions were starting. Um, I, I actually found an interview with Stan Lee himself from 2012 where he confirmed this idea saying that, yes, he wanted to. Uh, Michael Jackson felt that he would, that would be the only way that he could play Spider-Man would be to own Marvel. <laughs> I think he's probably right about that because who the <laughs> hell would hire Michael Jackson to play Peter Parker in a live action film. That's like the most weird thing that I can think of. Um, but yeah, there you have it. But even owning Marvel, that
1: doesn't ensure that he could play Spider-Man. You still need a studio studio to put up the money for that well i guess michael could put up the money i don't know
0: theoretically yeah i don't know uh it it seems like it would have been one step of of many toward this <laughs> ultimate end goal of him suiting up as the web slinger which I, again is just like so bizarre but michael jackson has actually wanted to you know it, it there are stories that are littered throughout the slash film archives of him like auditioning to play professor Xavier in the original X-Men movie. And he wanted to play Jar Jar Binks in full prosthetic makeup in the Phantom Menace. So like, you know, Michael Jackson was, uh, an eccentric character. Let's, um, let's leave it at that. Maybe
1: it's hard to imagine a universe where the Marvel cinematic universe would have happened if Michael Jackson ended up owning Marvel and playing Spider-Man in a movie.
2: Yeah, it's
0: so strange to think about because he was like one of the most famous people in the world at that time. And even though comic book movies were not huge, then Michael Jackson as Spider-Man would have been a massive pop cultural event, even if the movie ended up being trash. So I really wonder if it could have potentially like soured audiences on the very concept of comic book movies. And I wonder if the entire landscape would have been shifted by something like that.
1: If only we had a device that we could look into the alternate reality and see what it would like or see what it would be like uh okay one last story uh this is not an alternate reality this is our reality there is a demolition man sequel in development apparently chris tell us about it yeah i'm having trouble accepting this but sylvester
2: stallone made a little uh video where he revealed that Uh, Warner Brothers is is currently working on a Demolition Man sequel and it's quote looks fantastic (laughs) that's really all he said there's no like story details and I honestly don't know how this is even going to work just because you know for those who don't know Demolition Man (laughs) is a, a film where Sylvester Stallone and Wesley Snipes play two people who get frozen and they wake up in the future and Stallone was a cop and Wesley Snipes was a criminal and and they're fighting each other. And, and, you know, the whole gist of the movie is that they're both fish out of water. They're both from a different era because the future has become very uh, pacifist and, and laid back and there's no more crime. So, you know, these two violent guys suddenly fighting in, in this, this peaceful world is throwing things upside down. And that really doesn't work for a sequel unless it's like, Sylvester Stallone gets frozen again and wakes up even further in the future. I, don't, I Otherwise, he's just been living in the future this entire time. So wouldn't he like be used to it by now? I, I just don't know what <laughs> you would even make that movie about. Not to mention, Leslie Snipes' character is very much dead because his head gets frozen and then Sylvester Stallone kicks his head off. So there's no way to like bring him back. So I don't really know what the plot of this movie is going to be.
1: Is there a thirst for a Demolition Man follow-up? Like, oh, I'm sure someone out there is like rabid about this. Like, yes, finally they're just I, cheering. I, I know at Comic Con either last year or the year before, Taco Bell had a pop-up where they were the Taco Bell from Demolition Man. Is that right? Yeah. I think it's from yeah. Demolition Man. Yeah, there yeah. Was, that was not last year. It Was the year before? Yeah, year before. So I feel like there has been some resurgence of popularity in this movie, but I feel like the only thing I remember about Demolition Man is, yeah, maybe some scenes that I've seen in the trailer, uh, that the fast food wars (laughs) and, um, those, those, what were they like stones or something? What the the seashells. The seashells. Seashells. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, the seashells and what, what do they do? We don't know. I mean, that's uh, what the sequel's about. It's finally going to find. it. We're finally going to find out how to use the three seashells. Chris, do you think this is actually going to happen?
2: No, I don't. But you know, <laughs> uh, Sylvester Stallone has a really hard time letting go of like his past projects. So, you know, he's already sort of like exhausted both Rocky and Rambo. So now he's he's he he needs to start dipping even further into <laughs> into the into his uh bag of tricks.
0: I think that's a good point, too, because when you were explaining, you know, what this could be and and him potentially being cryo frozen again, a part of me was like, oh, that could be an interesting way for him to do like another meta commentary on like, uh, you know, Stallone, the actor being from another time and like representing this this other era of studio action filmmaking and being thrown into, you know, a new world of of how things are. But, like, he's kind of been doing that for, like, the past 15 years, just in different franchises, you know, resurrecting different franchises that he's been in. So I don't know... Yeah, like what else does he have to say on that subject that seems to be a subject that he's very familiar with so even though the the premise of demolition man the idea of cryo freezing and all that stuff seems to lend itself to that pretty well i just don't know what he would be able to contribute at this point
1: also what would like the the backbone of this takedown because the, the original demolition man wasn't it kind of like a takedown of like pc culture
0: uh, I guess you could read it that way. It's been a little while since I've seen it, but yeah, there was a lot of like, uh, you know, he was like wandering around and swearing and in this new future that he was in, everybody was really soft and like nobody swore <laughs> and like, um, the police, you know, there hadn't been real cases of violence in a long time. So the police were like wildly unequipped to handle it when, when Snipes' character comes out and starts shooting people up and stuff like that. So, uh, Stallone is like this. You know, hardcore tough guy, a cop from a different era, who's brought in to to help, uh, you know, quench the uh, or like, you know, to to stop the threat. Um, so I think there there was a lot of that. I don't know if you could really repeat that again either. So I'm not sure what the the other commentary could be.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna say I don't think you could take that further too, without it being really offensive to a lot of people. So the only man. thing I
2: can think of is the, the movie. It takes place in 2032. So maybe they're waiting to the real 2032 to release Demolition Man 2 for the the synergy of the real year. We finally caught up with the futuristic year of Demolition Man.
0: Or you could do what Peter said and just like really lean into the offensiveness and get somebody like S. Craig Zoller or something to direct this and just like make it like a like a trash exploitation movie or something instead.
1: Uh, I feel like that version would just be like accepted by the, the, the alter, right? It's like something, you know, it, it, it would be championed in, in a bad way. Okay. That brings us to the end of today's slash home daily. You can find more of all of our work at slash You can find links to the stories we mentioned on today's podcast in the show notes. You can find this podcast published on iTunes, Google overcast, Spotify, all the popular podcast apps. Please feel free to send us your feedback. Questions, comments, concerns—show us at peter at and rate and review this podcast on iTunes. Tell your friends, spread the word, and we will see you on Wednesday.